0: Okay, the parasha is Dvarim dvarim. Let's look at the Psukim The first Psukim in the parasha Eila dvarim Esheh Debeh Moshev Kol Yisrael Everybody knows that there is a general problem because the Pasuk says Eila HaDvarim which sounds like the word Eila is a word of pointing Eila In English you might say these So. If these are the Dvarim, then someplace in the Psukim there should be the answer to the question Eiza Dvarim. Eile Dvarim, Asher Dibeh Moshe. But there are no specific Dvarim. Because the Pasuk continues, the Psukim continue with a very long introduction to Eileha Dvarim. And the long introduction is, So these are named places. If we were good at that, you know, geography and things like that, we could probably take a map and figure out more or less exactly where they were on the eastern side of the Jordan River. But having figured that out, it would still remain kind of a mystery about why it's important to know that. I mean, wouldn't it be enough for the Torah to tell us that they were be'eva day I mean, it's not as though anybody wants to go back there. It's not as though, you know, other than quiz type of questions, you know, quiz questions and a kind of a, a Bible contest test. I mean, like, what difference does it make? Where exactly B'nai Yisrael war? But this, this place is the place that's presented to us in the greatest detail. There is no other place in the Torah that is presented with such detail. So just look again. You see, it's B'amidbar. Some of these words you know. I mean, we know more or less. Yarden means the eastern side of the Jordan. B'amidbar. I guess there's a desert there. I mean, there's a desert on our side, so why shouldn't there be a desert on their side? And then, Ba'arava. I mean, Arava is another word that means a desert, like a desert-like place. And then, Mulsuf. I, I mean, Suf, Yamsuf, Mums, Mulsuf, Bain Parano, Bain Tofel. Those are words we should recognize. They're words that appear. Uh, and then Lavan and wrote, and Dizahav are not recognizable. I don't know where those places are. I mean, the fact that I don't know where those places are may not be very significant, but I'm just saying, you know, when you read the Chumash, some things strike you and some things don't. The next pasuk says, Achadasar <laughs> Yomicharev Derechar Seir Ad Kadesh Barnea Achadasa Yomicharev sounds like Another way of telling you where the place was. It was 11 days from Chorev. Chorev is a name for Har Sinai. Der Har Seir, I guess another place that everybody knew about. And then Kadesh Barnea. Kadesh Barnea is problematic because there's Kadesh Barnea, there's Kadesh in the south of Eretz Israel, in the north of Eretz Israel. And here in the east of the Jordan River, I mean Kadesh Barnea is a is a tough one. So those of you interested can look it up. You could probably Google it, and you'll find out all about Kadesh Barnea. Pasuk Gimel Vayi'bar Ba'im Shana. Chodesh Moshe El Bnei Yisrael Kechol Hashem Hashem So then you have another pasuk. Pasuk Gimel Barba Ba'im Shana. This took place after forty years after Yitzhak Mitzrayim, right? On the twelfth month and the first day of the month, the Moshe b'nei Yisrael. So, so this is another Vayadaber. First, the pasuk said elah hadvarim, and then it tells us where they were, but it doesn't tell us what the dvarim were. There are no dvarim, and then pasuk Gimel is a new start, more dvarim right passed the demo vai barmi va she'el she'odes Moshe el bnei Yisrael kchol asher tzeva hashem oto alehem acharei hakotor et sikhon melecha mo'ya she'sha be'chashbot ve'egod melecha bashal she'sha ba'shtiyot be'eduei a time when in the 40th year after the military victories over sikhon in the oak when after but that's what, what it says. It's getting tiring that this like like there's no end to the uh, definition of place and of time. And then Moshe Rabbeinu started to teach the Torah, whatever that might be. Whatever that might mean, because we imagine that Moshe Rabbeinu taught Torah all the years. All the years they were in the desert. All the time from Har Sinai. Until now, Moshe Rabbeinu was teaching Torah. So what does it mean to say that in the 40th year, basically on the day of his death, he's about to die, Moshe Rabbeinu taught the Torah. I mean, he's always teaching the Torah. So these these psukim are difficult. These Pesukim are difficult, and they're solved by Rashi. The difficulty is solved by Rashi in a grand manner. Right? Like sort of Rashi says, Okay, this demands a radical uh, interpretation. The problem is so severe that it can't be solved in a simple manner. But we have to do something very extreme. So what does Rashi say? El hadvarit lifnei shehain the retochachot. The retochachot, Moshe Rabbeinu is about to speak harshly to B'nai Yisrael, to talk to them about the difficult situation that they've created, really that they've created in uh, in, in their own short history. Umanakan kolam isu. So you have to understand. The background is this. Rashi is committed to Pshat. Rashi is committed to Pshat. How do I know that Rashi is committed to Pshat? Because Rashi says about Rashi in the parashiyot of Breshit and No, that he is committed to Pshat and Pshat for Rashi means explaining the words as they appear in order and therefore what Rashi is about to do is a deviation from his commitment and that deviation from his commitment can only happen because there's some great issue What's the deviation? What are the words that 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 are the words of deviation? Rashi says, "Satam et advarim v'skirum That word, remes, which is not an easy word to define. But one thing we know about the word remes is that it's not pshat. It's not pshat. It's something else. It's something else. All the mafarshim. Although oh, the classical mithorshim uh, look at remes in different ways. But we'll see what Rashi is talking about in a moment. But he says, it's a remes. This is an occasion for a remes, And why did the Torah deviate from its normal pshat uh, 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 methodology? B'nei k'vodan Yisrael. There's an issue. B'nei Israel. But they was an issue, and they didn't want to say, the Torah didn't want to say something openly, and therefore said it in a remiss. And therefore, I, Rashi, have to deviate from my commitment to Pshat, and I'm going to speak to you in terms of remiss. So then he goes on and says, <laughs> So Rashi says We also learn something about That whoever it is That you want to say something about Whoever it is you want to complain about You have to complain to him directly You can't complain indirectly You can't go and say to your friend He's not the Satan. Because that doesn't work And it backfires That's what Rashi says And that's why the emphasis in the Pasuk Is on El Kol Yisrael But Rashi has not yet told us What the Remez is So now listen Rashi says El Kol Yisrael Beva Bamidbar Rashi says Lo b'amidbar Hayu Eloba Vot Lo'af Rashi doesn't understand As far as we know they were in Arvot Moav. Arvot Moav is desert-like maybe, but it's not the desert. The desert is called desert. Arvot Moav is called Arvot Moav. So he says, Umahu bamidbar. So why does the Torah say that it was in the Midbar if it wasn't? So Rashi says, That's it. That's the remez that the word Bamidbar does not refer to a place, but refers to an event. It refers to an event, and so Rashi goes on to explain further, and he says moav. That's arava. Arava is not the name of a place. It's the name. Of a transgression. right? Mul Suf Amasha Hemera b'yam Suf, Bevo Amliam Suf Shamru, Hamidli, Enkvarim, Be Mitraim, Beheben Asam, hayam Shinemar, Beyamru, Al Yam Beyam Suf, Giddi Ita, So again, Rashi says Suf and Arava and Bamidbar are a shorthand version of. Moshe Rabbeid is saying, remember this Avey, remember that Avey, remember the third Haver, Ben Paran and Ben Tofel, Amar Rabbi Yochanan. You see the Rashi? Paran, So the Gemara quotes Rabbi Yochanan, the Rashbi, as saying, where's this Tofel and Lavan? Like, I've never heard of such a thing. El hochicham, hochicham al hadvarim shetaflu al haman shulavan, sha'amru, sha'amru, benafshenu katsa balechem at chlokal, ramasha asuba vidba paran, ayadeh maraglim. So Rashi says, Rashi says there are two names that the Gemara already says, paran and Total Vilavan, where the Gemara already says there's no such place. Right? In, in other words, if you'd say, what makes Rashi so certain? What makes Rashi so certain that it's a remes and not a pshat? I mean, did he go and he asked cartographers, did he ask somebody to draw him a map and to prove that there's no such place? That's hard to say. But he says, look, the Gemara says it. The Gemara said that, that, that Rabbi Yochad of and Yochai looked around And couldn't find these places, right? Couldn't find Paran and Tophel bin And therefore he was certain that these words represent a remez. They're a remez to a particular chait or an avera. And therefore Rashi felt confident that he could interpret all of the other words in the same way. Even though the words Bamibar and Barava and Mulsut are really places... We could find those places we looked for them. Nevertheless, Rashi said. Nevertheless, Rashi said. What's the point? Because when you get up to Lavan Ben Paran, Ben La'atova, Ben Lavon, so you have no choice. Because the Gemara says that these places don't exist. So they certainly don't exist. The Chatsi wrote the Machloto shel Korach. The Vayacher Amar lahem ayal lehem lemodem Masha asiti lemeri yame. Chatsi wrote wrote b'shril l'shon hara. But Right again, there's 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 a remez. You should have understood that was your avera. So Rashi is confident. Now the way I started out was by saying that Rashi in this case rejects Pshat and goes for remes, but Rashi himself indicates to us that he had no choice because in the Gemara when the Gemara relates to Paran and Lavan v'tofel the Gemara itself says that there is no such place that these places don't exist so there is no choice but to say that at least part of the pasuk is a remez, so to speak, is a shorthand version of of uh, what we are looking for. And what we are looking for is what we are looking for is uh, uh, the the meaning here, the meaning. And so according to Rashi, the way we understand the pasuk is this: shall call But we don't have the dvarim; we have only the remez. To the Dvarim and since we know in other places that Davar is Lashon Kasha that the word Davar always represents difficult conversation a difficult kind of speech that it must be that Moshe Rabbeinu was critical of B'nai Yisrael but the Torah did not want to write the criticism. And instead, wrote Rima Zim. Now this interpretation sounds okay, I would say. Sounds okay to me. Except that we know that later on, Moshe Rabbeinu was very explicit in his criticism of B'nai Yisrael. In this parasha, in the parasha of Varim, and continuing in the parasha of Va'etchanan. Nevertheless, if we're only learning these psukim, which is... Uh, a good way to do it. It sounds like what the Torah is saying is that not every tochach has to be written, and it's enough for us to understand what Moshe Rabbeinu probably said. But we don't have to. We don't have to like listen to Moshe Rabbeinu critique every step that the Yisrael Israel took, which of course brings us to a larger question, and that question is also, even though Moshe Rabbeinu did it in a nice way he said remember Bamidbar remember Mulsuf remember Dizahav like he didn't say to them oh look you know you miserable community look what you've done there's no future he didn't say that but why did he say it? but why did Moshe Rabbeinu end his career by lambasting B'nai Yisrael as they are about to enter Eretz Yisrael. Isn't this a kind of time for optimism? Hope? Uh, keep on the, the right path. You know, all that stuff. You know, like we could be more rabbinic. Moshe Rabbeinu could be a little more rabbinic. And told everybody everything's alright. In instead of telling them how miserable they are. So, Rashi is dealing with the psukim. And he opts for a difficult interpretation. And he bases that difficult interpretation on the Gemara and Arachin, where the Gemara says, these places, Paran, Lavan, Tophel. we've never heard of them. We don't know where they are. And the only way to understand is to say that they are Rimazim. And if they are Rimazim, then everything in the Pasuk is a Remez. Because it's certainly of no consequence that we would know exactly where Moshe Rabbeinu was standing when he did whatever he did. So that's, that's Rashi. Now, two generations later, Rashi's grandson also had to interpret these sukkim the Rashbam. So if you see the Rashbam, the Rashbam says, you know, the Rashbam, he was a straight shooter. He just said it like it is, or like he thought it is. So the Rajbam says, the second, uh, the second uh, source on the sheet, That's it. That's the end of the story. The Rajbam says, I don't know what, what Rashi wrote over there, but it's not Pshat. And who says that there's no Pshat? And you know that this is a question. This is a question in the, that appears from time to time in the Zohar. Right? The Zohar says, the Zohar says, as you, I've, I've mentioned before, but the Zohar says that the parsha called Alufei Esav. You know the parsha Alufei Esav, which is Parak Lametchet Embrace love Lamet Zion, Lamet. Yeah. So there's a there's a whole Perak in the Torah that tells us about the family of Asaph, who his wives were, and how many children each wife he had with each child, how many children he had with each wife. I mean, when you add up the information, it doesn't come to much. But why would we be interested in knowing what the family genealogy of Asaph was? I mean... So the Zohar says that that's the most difficult parasha in the Chumash. The most difficult parasha in the Chumash. And the Zohar has a simple way of measuring difficulty. He says every other parasha has pshat and sod. Every other parasha you can learn straight, you read the words, and you could also interpret it Kabbalistically. So you have, like, if you're not inclined to Kabbalah, you could still, you could still do something. You could read the parishion. But the parishion of Alofei Asav, if you're not inclined to Kabbalah, you can't get anywhere. That's called hard. Hard means there's no way you can figure it out. There's no way to understand why the Kacharish Bochel wants us to know who the family members of Asav are or were right? That doesn't make any sense. So, the parsha Esav is the most difficult parsha in the Torah. So we have this issue about information. There's this issue about information. So Rashi seems to say, Rashi seems to say that there's no pshat, but there's a remez. So so it's okay to interpret the Torah as though there was no pshat at all that if you read the words you don't get anything out of it you don't know this key that Rashi gives you for understanding you're, you're just not in, you're not in the parasha you didn't do pamai mikra right? you just didn't do it you know, these psukim just went by you according to the Rashbam that's not the case and the Rashbam says those are his first two words that he says that there is a pshat that Rashi is just giving me the remez option but that doesn't mean that there is no pshat so I imagine by the time the Rashbam came along, everybody said oh according to Rashi, there is no pshat so he had to correct that either he thought that the correction is what Rashi also thought, or he thought that, that if not that he was going to kind of move along beyond Rashi. So he says the Phippshito, and then he goes on and he says, he tries to understand why there's a little mystery here. He says, it's not uncommon. For the psukim of the Torah to give me more than one nikudat tziyun, that's what they say in Hebrew. Like you know, you want to you want to get to some place, so you say it's such and such, uh, so many kilometers from A, and so many kilometers from B. Like whenever you have to you have to describe a place, you often describe it in two ways. Like where it is. You don't say it's it's north of. But he says north of this and west of that because it's hard to be hard to be precise, and that's what he says. The lech lecha, mi kedem Beit El, vayet ol halo Beit El mi yamra So, in, in other words, you have two uh, uh, sukim that describe Beit El, where it is, and then the parsha b'shalach v'yashuvah v'yachanu lifnei piachirot bei migdol uveinayam lifnei ba'al teflon. Right, like you see, there are two, two ways of describing it. So what is the Rashabatm trying to say? What's the Rashidam trying to say? So don't get nervous that the Pasuk says, says a few kinds of ways of describing it. He says, that's not so uncommon. That's not so uncommon. And even though we know that the Torah is usually sparing on redundancies, Right, but the Torah doesn't like to just say words for no reason at all. There are certain kinds of redundancies that we're used to, and one of them has to do with describing a place. Where is the place? Well, it's near here and it's near there. That's not called a redundancy because that is normal, right? That's normal. I mean, everybody understands. Everybody understands that, even though the Torah reaches a certain level of perfection. And even the word, though the words of the Torah, possibly have each of them a unique meaning. It's hard for us, reading the Torah, for us with our limitation, to get to the bottom of it, in that way. So for us, the way it looks to us is that there are certain redundancies. And when we say that there are no redundancies in the Torah, we usually mean, in those places that Chazal taught us. That there are no redundancies, but if they didn't, if Chagal didn't teach us, then we usually don't know. We usually don't know, and it looks to us, it looks like a redundancy. I mean, if you say it's a matter of faith that there are no redundancies, okay, but the Rashbam, the Rashbam was willing to say that when it came to uh, uh, place names and, and where a thing is, the Torah was willing. The Torah was willing to give an apparent redundancy. Now, this is not. Not to say that if somebody imaginative would look again at those words, that you wouldn't be able to figure out something interesting about them. That isn't quite the same, It isn't quite a redundancy, etc. But this is what the Rashbam, this is what the Rabbam says. he says, uh, then he goes on, he says, another example of a self-shoftim, in a chagla shem, vishilomi amin yamino, le-beit el, mizracha asham islam el, shema. So you have you have different places that describe a place. The kol shekein, the kol shekein. So that since this is commonly, this is common in the Tanakh or in the Torah, he says kol shekein. Moreover, certainly, without a doubt, the Rashbam says she tzerich hechan nemruha mitzvot. Hashem Moshe. Bimid Bar Sinai, right? By the Hashem El Bene Israel, Bimid Bar Sinai, sorry, Torshu, by the Be Hashem El Moshe Bar Sinai, the Eretz Mitraim, Achodesh Hazevi, the Be Hashem El Moshe Bar Sinai, Barvot Moab. In other words, it's important for us to know the place where the mitzvot were taught to Bnei Yisrael. Some of them at Har Sinai, some of them in the old Oed, some of them at Arvot Moab. the Debeh Hashem on Moshe, Har Sinai, Moab. Afkan Oseh Siman, beto Siman. That's the Rashba, And therefore, there's no redundancy. This is normal. Siman, Betoch Siman. Siman, beto Siman. You know, if you remember, there's a Torah of Rav Nachum Bratzlef. On Siman B'Toch Siman, which is about this. Also, it's also about this. Etc. 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 So here you have it: the position of the Rashban. The position of the Rashbam is, don't make any mistake about it, there's also a Pshat. And if it seems to you that there's a redundancy involved, that's okay, because we're talking about place names, and place names often have a, uh, what? Several points of reference. Yeah, good, several points of reference. In other words, it's not, even though it's true, it's a redundancy. It is, unless you, you're going to that place, but it's normal. It's a normal kind of redundancy. Now, I want to just look at the end of the pub. You see, the Rashbab says, Bein Paranu Ben Tofel. Bain Parano Ben tophel. So Rashi pointed out the fact that in the Gemara, the opinion of the Gemara is that these places don't exist or were not found. The Rashbab says, Kemo Bain Beit Elu Ben Hai. It was, it was according to the Rashbam. What difference it make if I know where these places are or not? I mean, what? What is that proof? Well, it has nothing to do with anything. There are a lot of places in the Tanakh that I may not uh, be able to identify precisely. I would be able, so I can't go. So I don't know where they are. Asma, that's uh, that's what the, the Rashbam says. And then he says the Zahav. Remember Rashi said Zahav Egal Zahav. Lavan and uh, the 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 the, uh, the man, right? These all these are all allusions to different things, the different complaints that Ben Israel made. The Rashbam, ha'kol me'kolmot lefi pshuto. Didizahav, Kemo, bat Mezahav. shuushen lefi pshuto. So you could have another name if you had Mezahav, So you could have Dizahav. Asma, right, the the Rashbam is not nervous about the fact that he doesn't know where all these places are And he couldn't locate it, they couldn't find it, Asma, it doesn't bother him at all So the Rashbam is either saying, Rashi is right about Remez But if you think that Rashi meant that the Remez exists but there's no pshat, that's wrong Either Rashi is wrong or you are wrong for thinking that about Rashi. Right? What are the two possibilities? And there's no doubt that there is a simple Pshat of the Psukim. And the simple Pshat of the Psukim is that that's the nature of place names or, or, or locations. When you when the Torah tells you a location, it often gives you more information than you think that you need. But there's no doubt that the Pshat in the Psukim is that it's all a reference to a place. And the name of a place, etc. That's what the Rashbam. That's what the Rashbam said. So of course, the implications, the implications of these two attitudes, are as we said, depends whether you think the Rashbam thought that he was interpreting Rashi, or whether the Rashbam thought he was disagreeing with Rashi. Right? You have to decide. But when you talk about it, when you think about it, you have to decide: is there a machlokes, or is there further explanation? And do we say that Rashi? explained the remiss because, not because he disagreed with the Rosh about pshat but because he felt that the pshat was overdone there were too many references that you had to say something that would give you a feeling that it's really Torah but right? if you didn't say anything if you didn't say anything then, then the Rashi felt that he would have been remiss and that his comment would not be sufficient so Raja said, or you say, as we tried to explain previously, that in this case Raja says there's no pshat, because the pshat is inconceivable, that you have all this information that was both meaningless un- and unnecessary, meaningless in the sense that I don't know where these places are, and unnecessary because I don't have to go back there, I don't have to, I don't have to remember that part of the story, exactly which quadrant of which uh, map they happened to be on. I could have forgotten. I could have forgotten the whole thing. That is the machloket, or, or, or either it is a machloket, or it's a quasi-machloket, between Rashi and the Rashbam. The Rashbam only says the Fiqh Shuto. He says it twice at the beginning of his commentary and at the end of his commentary. And to say the Fiqh Shuto is an indication that maybe he's disagreeing with Rashi. Because Rashi said, remes, that you have to explain. The remnants. but of course, whichever interpretation you accept—that there was a machloket between Rashi and the Rashbam, or that the Rashbam is simply explaining Rashi to the uninitiated—whichever side, whichever side you take, you, you, uh, uh, it's based a little bit on prophecy, right? You have to just assume a position, right? If you don't like machlokets, so you'll assume that everybody is happy with everybody else. But if you like, a little fireworks in the Torah that you learn. So you'll assume that there's a machlokas between Rashi and the Rashba. I'd like to, uh, I'd like to uh, look, at, uh, look at something in the Ramban. Not the whole Ramban. The Ramban seems to be of the opinion, you know, that the Ramban was a Kabbalist the Ramban the Ramban was a Kabbalist (laughs) which means that he understood the Torah through the lens that's called Kabbalah that's the Ramban but the Kabbalists the Kabbalists in order to be Kabbalists were very into Pshat now, this may seem to be contradictory, but it really isn't. Because Pshat, when you try to learn the Psukim according to Pshat, and it doesn't work, that's when the Kabbalist steps in to explain things. So, learning the Chumash, in my opinion, learning the Chumash with Kabbalah, it's not just a matter of learning Kabbalah. But for the Ramban, it always was connected to showing the limitations of pshat. Just like we said, Rashi in the first interpretation, Rashi says remes, meaning no pshat, only remes. But the Ramban wouldn't say remes. The Ramban would say kabbalah. So if you look at the left-hand column, if you look at the left-hand column, I just want to. Uh, uh, the one, two, three, four, five, six. Uh, one, 2, 3, 4, five, six, the 6th line so he says, he says that the name of the place or that mentioning the name of the place is also significant because, uh, because uh, Moab uh, Moab the part of Moab that B'nai Yisrael went into was the part of Moab that was captured by Sichon. there was some connection between Sichon and Moab that's why all of this has to be has to be mentioned. So that the Ramban, I mean, I'm summarizing the Ramban, but the Ramban basically agreed with the Rashbam that there was a Pshat. Now look at the end of the Ramban. V'nei so B'kad, the Ramban says there are two issues. Ama, Moshe B'nei Yisrael Oto Alihem. He says, Moshe Rabbeinu spoke to B'nei Yisrael in the name of God. God commanded, Moshe Rabbeinu spoke deshayu amcha la mitzvot sheyomar lahem besif azelol nisku ad heina batora and this means that moshe rabenu in the book of dvarim taught us mitzvot that had not yet been taught cholosku ad heina batora va ama shehem kechavash tzeva oto hashem lo osif so you know that the psukim are found in the beginning of Dvarim. And so Moshe Rabbeinu had to defend what he was saying in Avot Moab as being Torah. In other words, Eilaha hadvarim Ramban said, that somehow everybody had the impression that it came from Moshe Rabbeinu so Moshe Rabbeinu had to say no 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 you can't add to the torah you can't subtract from the torah so the Ramban says that there are two things that the words Hadvarim Aylah HaDvarim, right, we're going back to that. We're finished with this problem about the place and the location. And we're going to back, uh, back to the beginning. The Pasuk it says, Eil HaDvarim Hashem Deber Moshe. What Dvarim did Moshe Deber? Di what Dvarim did Moshe Deber? Di so every time Moshe teaches Torah to Bnei Yisrael, it says, Go and tell Bnei Yisrael. So what was the, what was the Dvarim that Moshe Deber? So, they're missing. Here in the beginning, what did Rashi say? What are the Dvarim? The Dvarim are the Tochacha, that are hinted at with the words, Bamibar, Mulsuf, bein Paran, bein tofu." That's not the Dvarim. The Rabban says, no, those are not the Dvarim. The Dvarim are the Mitzvot. The Dvarim are the Mitzvot. Or oh, the Dvarim are the Mitzvot. So why does it say, dvarim be Why does it say, Moshe lemo? So Ravan says, well, because there are two kinds of teachings in the book of Devarid. One kind of teaching is mitzvot that you never heard of. Right? Kiteh the parasha of Kitetze is full of mitzvot that we never heard of until the parasha of Kiteh There That mitzvot you never heard of. But there's another kind. Ho'il Moshe, Be'eret, HaTorah, zot Pasuk 5. Right? Those mitzvot are the old mitzvot that Moshe Rabbeinu continued to explain when he was in our Arvot Mo'af. So, Eva HaDvarim. Dvarim are mitzvot, new mitzvot, and elucidation of known mitzvot. Why doesn't it say, V'adabay Hashem of Moshe Levo? Well, it couldn't. Because that would not include mitzvot that had already been taught to B'nai Yisrael. And so the Torah says, Eile HaDvarim HaShedibay Moshe. And the emphasis is Asher Deber Moshe Because according to the Ramban That's true That's always true Who said it? Who taught it? Moshe Rabbeinu But the book of Dvarim, As the Ramban also says in his introduction to his commentary The book of Dvarim, The book of Devarim consists of things that Moshe Rabbeinu said What do you mean Moshe Rabbeinu said? Hoil Moshe Be'er et Torah Hazot Moshe Rabbeinu explained, elucidated, taught Refined the understanding of the Torah. That was Moshe Rabbeinu, and then Moshe Rabbeinu also taught mitzvot. So we have the second problem of these pesukim is the problem of the words Eileh Hadvarim. Why doesn't the Torah begin by Dabe Hashem al Moshe LeMo? Because in the book of Dvarim, there's a difference. There are mitzvot, and there are Dvarim Hashem Moshe. And that's what the Torah wanted us to know, and that's why the first pasuk is different. Now I'd like to, I'd like to. Uh, now we've reached this point. I'd like to learn with you something in the Igra de Kala. Igra, the Kala is uh, the Bnei Isachar. I'm a Hasidish Rebbe whose name was not Igra, not Kala, not Isachar. But you know, Hasidim they have strange ways of getting to wherever they get to. But he was a, a remarkable, it was remarkable things that he did and what he said. So Igwe de Kala is a book on the Parashat HaShavuah. His name, as you see, was Sri Eliech Shapira Midinov. Sri Melech Shapira Midinov. That's a good name. I was like, but the book that he wrote, the famous book that he wrote, the more famous book that he wrote, is called B'nei Yiso, Yisoscha. That's how the Chassidim say it. They say Yisochar, and if you were Bal Kore, anybody have Bal Kore, so you know there's a Minag that the first time that the name Yisochar appears in the Chumash, you know when Yisochar is named, when you lane it, you lane Yisochar, like decree, and all the rest of the times that the name Yisochar appears, even though it's written with two sins, which is quite remarkable, we ignore that. And we make believe it's only written with one sin. But the Hasidim called him, his name was Fieli Melech, but he was the first. The Chazim Lublin told him that his name was Yisoscha, that he came from Yisoscha. So he called his book the Bene Yisoscha. But everybody calls it, I mean Litvaks called it the B'nai Yisoscha, you know Litvaks and the Hasidim call it B'nai Yisoscha well the Hasidim the, the Lich box they just read it you know like but they don't really you know they don't know that there's a whole world of uh, that goes along with it so the, the Hasidim call it B'nai Yisoscha all the Hasidim so he said this Pasalat he said Eile HaDvarim Eile HaDvarim you know there's a Eile is a word of pointing right Ele, these are the Dvarim and we all know that there is a famous Eila in the Chumash there is a famous Eila in the Chumash the famous Eila in the Chumash is in Perig Beis the famous Eila in the Chumash is Perig Dalit. in Perig Beis you know Perig Aleph I'm sorry, breishes. Creation's Perak Aleph is about the creation of the world. You know, right, you know the creation of the world. Perak Beis has this in it: "Eile Toldos v'ibaram." Eile Toldot v'ibaram. And then there's another, another story: There was nothing was growing. There's another story. That's what it says in the Pasuk. So now, (laughs) in the Medrash, because these things don't always work. Yeah, the Medrash Rabbah. It's not only the Medrash, it's another Medrashim as well, but I'll read it to you from the Medrash Rabbah. The Major Rabba says, "Eile todot shemayin va'aret." That's our pasuk. Eile. Amar Rabbi Abau. Amar Rabbi Abau. Kol makom shenei ma eile pasal et harishonot. He says, wherever in the Torah it has the word of pointing eile, it means these, but not those. These and not those. Well, it says It's those and more than, more than those. Also these. pasal et Here, in this pasuk eile todata shemayim va'aret pasal et harishol means not the way it was told in parak aleph, but the way it's going to be in parak bet what was knocked out of Perek Aleph so the Medrash says Napasau. what was what was excluded tohu vavohu vichoshech remember tohu vavohu and remember choshech that's Perek Aleph Pasubet. there was tohu vavohu and choshech alpineteho so that means the way the world was created in Perek Aleph this is the way I understand Rabbi Abbao the way the Torah was related, was created in Aleph, there would always be residual tovavu and residual Choshech. But then Eile, Perec Bet Daleh, said no, no more Tov no more Choshech, the whole world starts from and with everything growing everything is growing in the world there's no more Tov, of no more choshe. along comes the B'nai Yisos huh? and he says look he says there is no such medrish. I'm about to make up a medrush that's what he says the B'nai Yisos says I'm about to make up a medrish that doesn't exist the medrish that exists is found in B'rashi right? Perek, Bad Pasek, but I'm going to make up my own medrish. and I'll say he says eladvarim pasal atarishonot he says what is eladvarim it's the same thing that Moshe Rabbeinu, the book of Dvarim, said, Eila are Dvarim. These are the Dvarim. Which means that there are some other Dvarim someplace else that are being rejected. Amazing. Today somebody sent me a, a, an email and asked me to write an article, a page on unity. Somebody wants to put out a book on unity to commemorate uh, the boys who were killed in Marcos Araf So, you know that unity, or you may not know, unity is not one of my big topics. I, don't, I don't often don't see exactly what everybody is so interested in, other than nobody wants anybody to annoy them. So don't annoy me, and that's called unity. If you tell me what to do, so that's disunity. Or if you tell me how to act, or how to live, so that's not unity. Well, I don't... So, here we are. Today I got the email, said, write something about unity. I said to myself, what do I know about unity? I have nothing to say. Here's the Bnei Sashar. The Bnei Saskar says, he says, he's making this up. You have to understand. Do you understand that he's making this up? That it sounds like it comes from somewhere, but it doesn't come from anywhere. Because of this idea that the word Eile means Fasalat HaRishonot. That's true in Bereshit, but it doesn't exist in the Medrash here. No one ever said it. He said it. He lived in the 18th century. He like said, I'm going to invent something. What did he invent? Pasalatari HaRishonot HaLamala Nehma. He says, what are the Rishonot? What Rishanot Who we possibly been talking about? That we're knocking out. He says, Lamala Nehma, Lotisot Nachala Levnei Yisrael... So you have to really have a good sense A good amount of imagination To come up with this idea That the Pazuk says in Marmit That every Mate Every Shavet Has an indelible inheritance The land that is given to the Shevet. That's how the land, let's say, according to some return, the way the land is given out, the Shevet gets a Nachalah, according to the number of Mishpachot, according to the number of fa- families in that Shevet. And then somehow the Shevet internally divides it up, bigger families getting more and smaller families getting less, according to some, uh, to some code. So he says, there, the Pasuk says, the Nachalah is inviolate, which means, Ruvein. Keeps Reuven property, and Shimon keeps Shimon property, and Shimon can't give his property to Yehuda, even though he lived right next to Yehuda, and 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 uh, Ephraim can't go to Menashe, and Menashe can't go to Ephraim, can't do that. That's what that's what it says in the pasuk. He says yisrael so what does the, what does the braceas the say they says that the division of eretz Yisrael was in its nature divisive because every tribe had to protect its interests not because they had interest, but because the Torah says you have to protect your interest. And you can't allow the law to go from one tribe to the next. And I remind you, this all connected to the story, which we don't have time, but that was about law. It was about getting the inheritance, and they said, what's going to happen? So, So the B'day Song says that, intrinsically, the way the Torah understands Am Yisrael, Am Yisrael is divided up intrinsically. And you know that, that the Arizal said, the Arizal said that the reason that we have different ways of davening, you know, they're not so different, but you know that there are... They're a little bit different, right? There's the Mizrach, Teimanim, all kinds of Nuschaot and variations. Goes back to the fact that when Am Yisrael left Mitzrayim and they were in the Yamsuf, they were in the Yamsuf, the Medrash says they were already divided by Shvatim. That they were in the water, there were, there were these pillars or walls that divided, uh, uh, the passage of B'nai Yisrael through the Yam Suf into tribes. They went tribe by tribe. So that intrinsically, there's a divisive quality to B'nai Yisrael, which, according to the, to the Arizal, is reflected in the fact that we have different ways of davening Today, right? Aval Heim Yisrael. In other words, even though it's true that when it comes to Nachallah, we are divided, when it comes to the Torah that Moshe Rabbeinu was going to give, which the Rabban says consists of mitzvot. And bi'ur ha'mitzvot When it comes to that Torah I will advarim em lechol Yisrael Ki shayche l'hadadei Because Torah is something that belongs to each other How? But it's a nice thing to say But how does it belong each to the other? The arevim ha'mitzvot now you know kulam Arevim is not something you hear on the radio when people are running for election. Kulam Arevim is a halachic notion. And that halachic notion is if he doesn't put on tefillin in the morning, I suffer. This it's not that I want to tell him what to do. If I'm going to run after him and say, "Put on tefillin in the morning." I'm going to and say, "Listen, my arm hurts, my head hurts, and the only way to solve the problem is is for you to do the mitzvah." The Ritva says in Sanhedrin, the Ritva says that that arevut, Arevut in mitzvot, arevut in mitzvot is just that. If somebody doesn't put on tefillin, it's as no, though I didn't put on t'fil in a little bit Well, I didn't put on t'fil that's what Harifut Mitzvot means it doesn't mean that, that I, 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 I have to push him around it means that intrinsically this is where explains we have one body we're one body so here Gluh comes the the Bidei Soscha and he says what does Eilah Advarim mean? why should the Torah in spite of the Ramban even though the Ramban said that Eilah Advarim means regular mitzvot and interpretation of mitzvot along comes the B'nai Yisofs and says look that's not enough because that word Eila bothers me I don't know what Eila why Eila is in the Torah the first word in the book of Dvarim the book of Dvarim could have started Hathvarim HaShedibah Moshek why Eila hadvarim? so he says remember that medrash in B'rashit that medrash could be said here as well even though B'nai Yisofs made it up I mean he made up the transfer he didn't make up the measures right? he made up the transfer to this case here and he said this is what Ami Yisrael really is it's true that Ami Yisrael has an intrinsic divisiveness when it comes to the land of Eretz Yisrael but it's overcome that divisiveness is overcome according to the B'nai Yisoschar by the Torah and the mitzvot and by Torah and mitzvot it doesn't mean that we can learn together it means that keeping the word of God is something that that is of visceral importance for each and every one of us so that's what the word Eila means the word Eila, so we've gone backwards Rashi explained to us the names of the places and he said that they were Remez the Rosh explained to us that they, that there is pshat, or there is also pshat. The Ramban said the word dvarim is pra- pra- problematic. Why well, say dvarim in plural? So the Ramban said, well, there are two kinds of dvarim in the book of in the book of uh, of dvarim: good kinds of dvarim, mitzvot, regular mitzvot, and explanations of the mitzvot. And a law came to the Bnei and the Yisotso says the word Eila, the word Eila has to be noted because it tells me something about the Torah and it rejects what happened before, not an outright rejection it's not as though the B'nai also says that the halacha about nachal has changed, no it hasn't but that's not the determining feature of the personality of Cloud Yisrael, that they are divisive by nature but what brings them together, in spite of the fact that they have different interests, you know, real estate is an interest, and you know, who gets it, and how the inheritance goes, that all of these things are, are very problematic for everybody at some time in their lives. He says, no, he says, Eile Hadvarim means that there's the overriding commonality of interest that we have. And that overriding commonality of interest is called Torah u Mitzvot. Pasalat, don't think that Nahalot is what determines who we are, even though we're going to Eretz Yisrael, we're on our way to Eretz Yisrael, but what determines what we are is the very Viz, very the mitzvot, as the Ramadan said, the new mitzvot that Moshe Abedin is going to teach, and the yes, explanations of the mitzvot that Moshe Abedin will, will give. Have a good Shabbos.